This is Bryn, covering the Pac-12. I'm Mark, I'm covering the Big Ten. And together we make the In and Given Saturday CFB podcast, giving you live up-to-date information, week recaps, and week previews for the weeks to come. And welcome back to the Any Given Saturday College Football Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Brennan. And uh, if you guys uh, haven't heard or you guys don't remember from the last episode we did, we are we are separated, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'm out in uh, beautiful Kansas, and you're still in shitty Colorado. Yeah, I think you have that backwards, man. Like, <laughs> it's beautiful Colorado and <laughs> shitty Kansas. But uh, Yeah, man, Just, how's, uh, how's the new year been? How's the holidays? Uh, it was pretty nice. Uh, I spent about a little over a week in Omaha. Then we went back to California to see my family. Um, it's been about a week out there. And then we flew back to Omaha. And uh, I came back on the 5th. And then I've just been kind of relaxing. How about yeah. yours? Uh, it was good, man. In-laws came out. Um, they came out. They they stayed Did for, I think, like four days. Your mom and dad didn't come out? No, they didn't come out. Uh, my dad had some work stuff come up, but they're coming out for uh, the, the Daytona 500. It's kind of like a family tradition. Yeah, white trash. But Isn't that in Ohio? Huh? Isn't that Daytona 500 in Ohio? Okay, anyway. and uh, No, isn't it really? <laughs> no, dude, it's in Florida. You idiot. Oh, Daytona yeah, okay. Beach, Florida. <laughs> Jesus. So why are they coming out to Colorado then? Because we watch it on TV. My dad makes his chili, and we drink beer and yell at the TV. So it's fun. But, uh, no, I mean, in-laws came out. Uh, they came out and got to see Austin. I got to see uh, my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. So we stayed up at the Great Wolf Lodge for a night. That was a lot of fun, actually. It's uh, a lot of money, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fun, though. Um, and then once they they took off right before Austin's birthday, and then we celebrated Austin's birthday and had Christmas. So it, was just, it was a lot of family time. Uh, just me and my wife and my kid, which was nice after deployment to just be able to kind of wind down and hang out with them. And now it's back to work. So that's been pretty brutal. But how uh, have you started your classes yet? Uh, no, I don't start till the 21st, but my orientations uh, next Friday. No, so you just been kind of next, next Thursday, I think you just been bumming it up, just doing nothing really. Uh yeah, I've been uh, kind of just exploring Kansas. Uh, found out that Dwight Eisenhower, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Eisenhower, he's he's <laughs> he's <laughs> he's from Kansas. So that was kind of uh kind of neat. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get back into the swing of this after doing it every week and then taking a month off. So yeah, it's mainly on your part. Uh, I've been trying to record since uh, before I left for Omaha. So the. Well, some Sometimes of us work, Christmas. asshole. Well, you hardly work, so it's all I right. hardly work. Okay, yeah. Come, come say, come, come follow me around for a week, and you won't say I hardly work. But anyway, I mean, so I can, I can do that job pretty easily. So yeah, welcome back in. Uh, it feels good to get behind the mic again. It's kind of weird, but it feels good. So uh, kind of something I want to try different that we've been doing like lately, as far as like our podcast goes. I want to do uh, kind of put it out there to follow us on Instagram at any given Saturday CFB. Uh, follow us on Twitter at what's our Twitter handle? Any CFB. Okay, I just I literally only use that Twitter to like see news, and then I don't know if you saw I followed Donald Trump, so I'm hoping for a follow back. But uh, he's not gonna follow you back. It, I really the, hope half he does. the people. I mean, I, I actually all the people we follow haven't followed us back, even the UMass people. Oh. So that's quite oh. irritating. Speaking of social media, I finally saw a picture of you and Court. Were you behind that of the picture of you and Courtney together? Because like, I was giving you shit because I haven't seen you and Courtney together. Was it? No, I wasn't. I, I don't ever go on Facebook. You know that? No, it was on Instagram. It was on her Instagram. Oh, I don't. I don't even have Instagram as an app or anything. Oh, you, your your wife and you are the ones that go on the Instagram, not me. Yeah, because uh, your your girlfriend posted a picture of you two like laying in bed, and I was like, haha, finally they have a picture together. But yeah, follow us on uh, listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Music, uh, uh, Google Podcasts. Google Play Podcast. Yeah. yeah, Google Play Podcasts, and uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, we're on. So, give us a listen, give us a review, give us five stars. Um, Always feel free to email us too. Yep. You, uh, at any given Saturday, CFB at gmail dot com. Yep. So, all right, man, let's jump into it. Uh, what do you want to get to first? You want to get to recruiting? Or you want to get to these bowl games? Let's knock out these bowl games because recruiting is going to take a long time. So hopefully, we can knock out the uh, the bowl games in a timely manner. 
Right. Uh, so first off, we'll start with the Pac-12 because uh, they had the first bowl game of the series with uh, Washington versus Boise State. <coughs> Sorry. Hi, Are you congested. good, man? Um, this is uh, Chris Peterson's last game. Uh, also, Jimmy Lake kind of taking over for the first time. Um, Washington straight up dominated uh, Boise State, and it wasn't even close. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a good showing for like right out the gate for the Pac-12. Uh, kind of gave me high hopes uh, that the Pac-12 would be able to show up to bowl season. Uh, Thirty-eight to seven was the final score on that. Boise State was actually nationally ranked. They were twelve and one coming into the game, so it was a uh, I think a big win for that Washington program to, to kind of get back to the uh Gardner Minshew days where they were ranked and that was Washington State not Washington or yeah uh who was Washington QB it was um Browning thank you thank you Jake Browning he was like an eight he was like it was like what the hell was that <laughs> <laughs> the ad started playing <laughs> it was like it was like a running joke that he was like an eight-year uh senior for mm-hmm. uh Washington or uh Washington so but um this was the Washington Huskies OC's last game, pretty much. Uh, he got fired after this, and they uh, – let me go to my notes here. It's a damn shame. You get fired as an offensive coordinator when you put up 38 points against a ranked team. Yeah, they, uh, they, they're bringing in John Donovan now. Um, also, Yeah. Um, also, uh, he's all right. Uh, also coming out of this, uh, Easton's heading to the NFL, so they will yep. need to – uh, bring in a new quarterback next year. Um, he uh, put up 22 of 32, 210 yards, and uh, one touchdown. And uh, across the board, it's been pretty uh, offensive-wise, pretty uh, standard numbers, nothing really standing out that I could see. Um, but, yeah, Washington came in, dominated, and uh, – Chris Peterson dominated his first ever uh, coaching stint team. So, yep. So a lot of high hopes out there in Washington. So let's talk about that Holiday Bowl. I know you're eager to talk about it. Oh, this one's got the uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten in it. So, yep. So Iowa and USC. And correct me if I'm wrong. And I don't know if you kind of caught this from the game. Final score: forty-nine twenty-four. Iowa. This score. I feel like was closer than the game was like, this was just an absolute thrashing of USC by Iowa. Iowa dominated this football game from the start. Yeah. So, um, one thing I will say is, uh, you, you already got the final score, but, um, the 24 points that USC had, uh, came when Keaton Slippus was in the game. And then after he got injured, uh, they pretty much fell to nothing. Uh, USC's defense, uh, absolute trash. USC special teams, absolute trash other than the onside kick recovery they got start the second half. Um, yeah. But they just got dominated by Nate Stanley. He looked like a, an all-pro quarterback back, all-American quarterback back there. Um, and the Iowa defense couldn't stop Amarone State Brown. He had nine receptions, 163 yards. I don't think and, anybody can stop that dude. Yeah, then um, – and then, yeah, they still lose by uh, double digits, so – <laughs> uh awesome coach game couldn't have asked for a better head coach than clay helton and uh they literally spent the whole month and i think they ran a total of like 15 practices uh if not 12 uh, a lot of them being walkthroughs and iowa came out and just absolutely dominated them um trying to think of that defensive end that iowa has that's an absolute beast uh aj espinoza or epinoza yeah. uh just an absolute beast. Kept beating uh, – well, didn't keep beating, but he beat uh, Austin Jackson on the tackle side, on the outside, and uh, it was the one that actually gave Keaton Slovis the hit. Um, they did say that it's just a uh, sprained uh, elbow for Keaton, so he should be uh, back for spring. Nothing serious. Um, but, yeah, uh, when you don't run the ball efficiently and uh, you rely on your QB – uh, he's going to get hit a shit ton, and he's going to get absolutely demolished. So that's what happened. Um, other than that, I really don't want to talk about the game because USC is absolutely trash. With uh, Yeah, it, I it's just, just I, a thrashing I, of that. So, I mean, yeah, it is was, what it is. I, I was at, at, at the um, the ball with my girlfriend, 
And yeah. I looked at the score for like, I think before I texted you and it was 7-7. Seven, seven, so I was like, okay, it might be a good game. Um, and then uh, USC just got pummeled. And you know what Clay Helton said in the press conference start the press conference is he thanked the Iowa fans. So <laughs> he is a... He Douche. also talks about winning championships, so there's that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think if you've been a USC fan for about mm, maybe two years, you realize that he is not going to win you a national championship, and uh, it's pretty evident. Yeah, um, so moving on to the Cheez-It Bowl, my favorite bowl of all, Air Force and Washington State. So this is kind of follows the demise of the Pac-12 kind of pretty um, this closely. Was, this uh, is just Mike Leach being Mike Leach in bowl games. Um yeah, it just does not do well in bowl games for some reason. I don't know if he doesn't take it serious or what, but I don't know. I think I think they just got outplayed. I mean, it was a close game, 31-21 Air Force 1. Air Force was sneak dude, you got to figure out your FaceTime, homie. Uh, Air Force I'm was a good team. It. Yeah, I know you paused it. Yeah, cuz I got to look at my notes. Oh, uh, that's why. Okay. Well, then I'm hanging up. Um, okay. <laughs> so, like what I saw in this game is just Air Force was a good team. Like Air Force is eleven and two on the season and Washington State is Washington State. I mean, they're a mediocre team. I think that's where they're always headed underneath the Mike Leach regime. Um so. I, I mean it it the the biggest thing is uh with Mike Leach's air raid is you're gonna pass and you're not really gonna run the ball. So if you don't if you take one whole dimension off your uh offensive attack, uh it doesn't leave you in good standing. Uh when this you is actually this is actually a pretty exciting football game to watch because of that, because Air Force is a, a triple option team and Washington State is an air raid team. So, like, I was actually pretty excited to watch this game. I watched it. It was a good football game. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I uh, think I think Air Force had, what, like 43 minutes of time and possession? They yeah, just something absolutely, like that. Yeah, it was uh, – when you have three quarters of football pretty much as your um, time and possession, you're you're going to win. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it was a good football game, but, I mean, Washington State ultimately – Took the L on that one, and Air Force had a good season, eleven and two as a as a service academy. You got to take that. So, yeah, and, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit the Air Force team. Uh, so, they they were definitely the. Um, I mean, Navy had a pretty good season too, but I think Air Force. Uh, you can argue had a better season, but oh, I would absolutely argue Air Force had a better season. I mean, they beat they beat a Power Five team. They beat Colorado. Yeah. So. Um, that's awesome. So moving on, Red Box Bowl, California, Illinois, another Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. Um, and so you kind of went one for one here. California got the best of Illinois, which both you and I are pretty high on Illinois. Uh, Lovey Smith, that was kind of like our favorite Big Ten team to watch outside of myself and Nebraska. I, I enjoy watching Illinois. Uh, but I don't Maybe just inexperience on the Illinois side is kind of what I chalk this one up to. Uh, not being able well, to step just, up to the to the plate as a in a bowl game because Illinois hasn't been in a bowl game in forever, so none of those players played in a bowl game. So stepping up to the plate up against California, Pac-12 school, who sneaky good, eight and yeah, five. Yeah, so I I think the um, all around the offense on on Cal is absolutely awesome. Uh, Chase Garbage yeah. twenty two thirty one two seventy two four touchdowns. Uh, Christopher Brown Jr. twenty carries one hundred twenty yards. Um, so you're rushing and you're uh, passing are clicking all cylinders uh one thing that definitely goes underrated with cal is all five of cal losses uh come when chase garber is not in the game so yeah he i think he is like eight and or nine and as a starter i'd have to uh look it up but pretty much every game they've won is when he is because of him uh every game they've lost is because he is not playing so yeah. uh so i mean one of the most underrated qbs in the pac-12 yeah he's is he a senior or is he a junior He's a sophomore, I think. Is he a sophomore? Uh, so yeah, he, he'll come. Remember, out. I think yeah, we went over this before. Yeah, he'll he'll come out. He'll have his coming out party. I think yeah, next he's a year. sophomore. Yeah. So, all right. So Illinois drops to uh, California thirty-five twenty. So moving on, New Year's Eve Alamo Bowl. I think the biggest surprise of the bowl season, other than the game we'll get into when we go over to the Big Ten, is Utah and Texas. Yeah, Utah and, got absolutely demolished. Uh, was not expecting if we can go back here. Was not expecting that at all. Um, just, uh, I would say, pretty much embarrassing for that uh, Utah team. Uh, I, for some reason, my laptop is tweaking out now, so hang on here. And 
Uh, if you want to go into stats while I go into this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Utah, uh, Sam Ellinger, 12 of 18, 201 yards for three touchdowns. Uh, Ingram, 13 carries for 108 yards. And Verney, three catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. All Texas. This game was all Texas. And, you know, specifically on this game, a lot of people were talking about um, a couple of the podcasts I listened to. Uh, they brought up a good point, and I wanted to kind of reiterate it. Uh, uh, that Utah kind of had the same motivation that Georgia had last year going up against Texas. And Texas just kind of got lucky two years in a row to play an unmotivated team with Utah not getting the invite because of their loss in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's a huge factor. But I also think um, if you look on paper, when Utah plays very talented teams, they get smoked. And... Texas is a very talented team, even though they, their record does not show it. Um, yeah, but I, I think yeah, I think I think the loss in the Pac-12 championship killed them, and I think they just because Kyle Whittingham actually is a uh, pretty exceptional bowl record, but I think it just demoralized them. And then they also were playing um, without a couple of their def- uh, key defensive players because uh, of the uh, they wanted to forgo into the NFL draft. So. It's just a mixture of things, but there's still no excuse uh, if you're Utah to come in and lose that bad and get dominated that bad by um, the Texas Longhorns. Uh, yeah, it's also what I hate about this, man. I don't hate Texas. I don't. You know, I actually I enjoy Texas. Even when Nebraska was in the Big 12, I, I enjoyed Texas. I like watching Texas football. But, man, I hate Sam Ellinger. I hate that dude. He's coming back next year too. Yeah, and all this all this win is going to do is just pump his ego even more, like it did last year when he beat Georgia. And Texas is back. And I'm sorry, dude. Texas is not back. Texas won't be back till Mac Brown comes back. I'm sorry. So, anyway, yeah, so moving so on. Moving on to uh, again another New Year's Eve game. Arizona the last State. Pac-12 Bowl. Oh no, no, my bad. You're going to Arizona yeah. State. And yeah, Arizona State, State Florida State. Uh, like you know, you know me. I watch this game because it's my Devils, and uh, this was a pretty terrible game. It god awful, bro. Oh, my <laughs> I God. Dude, did not it was watch painful it. Painful to saw, watch. Saw highlights. Like, and how do you score was, eleven points? Uh, like, not only that, but they. Uh, let me go up here. Like yeah. eleven points in the fourth quarter. Like I know how they did it because I watched the game. It was a touchdown, a two point conversion, and a field goal. But that's just such a weird number to put up, dude. Like eleven points in a quarter. Anyway, terrible game. Uh, I mean, to Arizona State's benefit, um, they for Florida State is a lot more talented of a team, uh, but the play was just absolutely terrible on both sides, mm-hmm. and Arizona State didn't have Eno Benjamin or Brendan Ayuk, the key running back and key receiver for them. Yep. Um, Jaden Daniels just had to make it happen with uh, doing a couple other things. Uh, 12 for 28, 195, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then 12 carries, 36 yards. He actually led the team in um, rushes. Uh, and then on the Florida State side, we got Blackman, 14 of 26, 244, one touchdown, four interceptions. Yep. Um, they had six then, turnovers overall. So yeah, and then and then Tamari and Terry, uh, nine receptions, 165, one touchdown for Florida State. Um, if I'm not wrong, Florida State outgained them in yards. Yeah, they outplayed them. So. Florida State, by all intents and purposes, should have won this game. If you take out the fourth quarter, they do. They win 14-9. to nine, But um, by all intents and purposes, they, they should have won this football game. Arizona State kind of snuck one away from them. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing with this is this is actually a pretty solid – even though how garbage it was played, this is actually a pretty solid Pac-12 win um, when you can have your uh, mid-to-bottom team come into the bowl game and go against – uh, one of the top three ACC teams, even though they are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if Florida State's top three, but I would overall I'd say they were probably one of the top three um, AC, ACC teams. And for them to come in there and beat them when Florida State had a lot more talent, um, it's pretty good. It's just like Iowa coming into the holiday, holiday Bowl and beating USC when USC has hands down way more talent than Iowa will ever have. Right. Um, it's definitely so, something you can take home as the ASU uh, Sun Devils, but uh, definitely need to clamp your gameplay. Yeah, I'm going to take it. So let's talk about the granddaddy of them all, Oregon-Wisconsin. Probably 
aside from the Clemson Ohio State game, probably the most entertaining, most exciting football game I've seen in the bowl season with Oregon coming out on top twenty eight to twenty seven. And just the entire game was just it was good from start to finish. It was a tight game the whole way. No team could get the upper hand up until some bullshit calls there at the end on uh on Oregon's part and kind of just some sloppy play there at the end by Wisconsin. Uh yeah, I think um I think this is a solid win, another solid win for the Pac twelve because Wisconsin can arguably be the number three team uh in the Big Ten. Um and even though Oregon is the number one team by stats and by overall record uh in the Pac twelve. Uh, yep. to come in and beat a Big Ten team, uh that's the highly ranked in the within the Big Ten is a pretty good uh pretty good uh victory for you. Um Herbert looked all right. Uh fourteen of twenty, one thirty eight, one interception. Uh where he really did a lot of damage was rushing. Um nine carries, twenty nine yards and three touchdowns. Um Wisconsin though, Jack Cohn, uh one eighty or uh, my bad, twenty five thirty twenty five thirty five, one eighty six, one touchdown, one interception. And then we got Jumbling, uh, Jonathan, God, it's hard to talk. Jonathan Rumbling Taylor, uh, 21 carries, 94 yards. Um, I think Wisconsin showed have definitely used him more. Uh, they used him a lot, but I mean, just give him, he's used to having quite a bit of carries, so to give him some more would have definitely helped him out. So she was running down the clock. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was a, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, came down to that. Offensive pass. It was it offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference? It was some pass interference call. I remember at the end. I think it was offensive. Um, that pretty much sealed the game for Oregon. Yep. So good game, good win for Oregon, and uh, so let's get yeah, into definitely something for the for Oregon to build on next year. Um, uh, coming in, and then I thought after watching that game that Jonathan Taylor would be staying. because uh, he was ready to go back in and wanted to play. But he is uh, declaring for the NFL draft. So yeah, I kind of saw one coming. So uh, all right, I, I mean, I think uh, deep down we all did, but we all let's get into the non into the Big Ten bowl games. Obviously, we'll skip the, the ones. Big Ten. <laughs> we'll obviously skip the ones we've already covered, um, and uh, just kind of Holy for cow. just they kind didn't of have very many bowl games, did they? Yes, they did. They had a shit ton. I totally uh, see. It. Yeah, so we'll we'll skip the the college football playoff semifinal. We'll, we'll cover that one last, but, uh, let's kind of well, get I, through, I guess, let's kind of get through this they, one. Cause we're kind of hitting up on time right now. So, um, Michigan state wake forest, another good game. Uh, I watched this one as well as it, it was a pretty fun one to watch Michigan state kind of, they, they kind of jump started. I think their program, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the big 10 next year, uh, with the 27 to 21 win over wake forest, Brian Lewerke, uh, kind of he looked like what i expected him to be is a pro style quarterback 26 37 for 320 yards and a touchdown um elijah collins had 21 carries for 96 yards and cody white had eight catches for 97 yards uh, and what i'll say is michigan state came into this game completely outmatched wake forest was a better football team actually watching the football game uh, i wouldn't say all year they were the better team but i would say on that night in Yankee Stadium, Wake Forest came to play, and Michigan State was kind of sleepwalking, uh, went into half, down by a point, and then all of a, like their defense literally couldn't stop water in a bucket. And then in the fourth quarter, their defense really just stepped up and said, we are the Big Ten, and you're just a little shitty ACC team, and they showed it. So what I think it's going to do is it's going to jumpstart recruiting, it's going to jumpstart those freshmen that got some play time, and Michigan State is – I think they're going to be right up there in the in the Big Ten East next year. So it, I don't know if you you got to take a look at that game at all or not, but no, I really didn't get to watch any of these bowl games other than the uh, the Rose Bowl, uh, and that was really about it. And okay. then I watched uh, Oklahoma and LSU, and that was pretty pathetic. So I stopped watching it. All right. So moving on to the Cotton Bowl, Penn State, Memphis. Uh, this was absolutely bloody. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Penn State. Uh, Memphis is a good football team. I will, I, they're not a power five team, but they're a good football team. Um, and Penn State just absolutely showed dominance, 53-39. Uh, Jorney Brown had 16 carries for 202 yards. I say that again, 16 carries for 200 yards. 
Yeah, his average was twelve point six yards. Yeah, carry. just absolutely ridiculous. Like they, he was just running all over them. Um, let's let's uh let's not forget Memphis's QB Brady White, thirty-two of fifty-one for four hundred and fifty-four uh, passing yards. Yeah, see, two interceptions. I, I, yeah, see, and exactly. That's ex- I, I was gonna kind of state on that, but I, I chose not to because of those two interceptions. Without those two interceptions, this might have been a closer game. They only won by fourteen. There's two scores. So those two turnovers, they scored off both of them. So. If they don't score off those, it's a 39-39 football game. So um, I definitely put that loss on Brady White's shoulders, but I also put it just that Penn State is a better football team. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so Penn State, good showing about Penn State. Uh, they're going to be great next year. Uh, they won't win the big game, but, I mean, they'll be there. So in the Outback Bowl, we had Minnesota and Auburn. This game was probably – this one hit home for me because I was like, finally, the Big Ten beats the SEC – Minnesota proves that they are who they are. Their two losses are against pretty damn good football teams, and they won 31-24 against a pretty good Auburn team, an Auburn team that beat Alabama. Don't forget that. Yeah, they also beat Oregon, too. They also beat Oregon, absolutely. So uh, Tanner Morgan, 19-29 for 278 yards. I think 18 of those 19 completions came on slant routes. Uh, (laughs) Muhammad Ibram had 20 carries for 140 yards. I butchered his last name. And Tyler Johnson – 12 catches for 204 yards for two touchdowns. Again, solidifying himself, in my belief, as the best uh, wide receiver in the Big Ten. Uh, so, so this big next win game for that act- Minnesota program. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a big thing, especially for uh, a Minnesota team that is historically not that good. Um, yep. For them to have an awesome season this year and then to cap it off uh, yeah, with they're an gonna, Auburn victory. Yeah, they're going to be back next awesome. year. Um, they're, uh, I'm not looking forward to that game when we play minnesota but all right so michigan alabama this game this is ex- the other game i watched and then it got ugly early and then i just stopped watching it yeah it, it went exactly how i thought it was it was 16 to 14 at halftime michigan was winning and i was kind of flipping in and out of this game because uh, actually me and the wife were we went on a hike with our friends that day and uh it was i was flipping back i was, I was going to it and then i went on the hike and then I remember when I left, it was 16-14, to 14, and I was like, holy crap, can Michigan pull off the upset? And Mac Jones showed why he was such a high recruit, why he chose Alabama, and why Alabama's going to be freaking Alabama next year again. Uh, they also brought in uh, the number two QB uh, with Bryce Young out of California. Yeah. Who is arguably uh, one of the best. Uh, mobile quarterbacks coming out of high school. So Yeah, but I mean, Mac Jones, 16-25, 327 yards for three touchdowns. After this game, I remember I was watching it, and I looked over to Megan, and I said, I think that's the end of Jim Harbaugh. I I think he's maybe got maybe one or two more years. I think if he doesn't beat Ohio State next year, he's done. I, I don't – I understand yeah, I, he's a local boy, but – I don't think he's won a bowl game either. Uh, I'd have to look. I'd have to go back and I research that. At least at Michigan. Hey, you research that. Let me cover this Indiana-Tennessee game. But okay. while you research that, I just want to cap it off with saying that's my prediction. I don't think Jim Harbaugh comes back. Because that Michigan fan base is just like Nebraska's. We're proud. We don't care who you are. You better win games or you're out. So January 2nd, uh, my mother's birthday, actually. Indiana, Tennessee. Good game. Uh, Indiana was another team that me and you talked about a lot and was really excited on. And I know I was excited for this game because, uh, you know, Tennessee, slow start, finish strong. I was like, dude, Indiana's going to take them. And Peyton Ramsey had a a decent game, kind of like a, a whole home game, 2034, 227 yards and an interception. And they lost by a point. Uh, winning going into the fourth quarter, they were up by 11 and just couldn't hold on to that lead, man. It was, it, that, that one was a tough one for me to watch. It was 19 to nine going into the fourth quarter. And then Tennessee just put up two touchdowns on them and, and kind of closed out that Gator Bowl on them. So, SEC got another one from us, and uh, I don't know. Indiana's a good football team. Look for them next year as well. Uh, I think. Yeah. So the the only win that Harbaugh has at Michigan in a bowl game is back in 2015 in the Citrus Bowl. That was like uh, his second year, wasn't it? Uh, that was that, his like first or second know. year. I, I don't think those were his players yet. So that was his first year. Yeah, I don't even give him credit on that. Those weren't his players. Yeah, because it says he has five years in Michigan. So. Either, yeah, it's either his first or second year. Yeah. Uh, we should probably know that since we cover the Big Ten Pac-12. But, oh, well. 
Uh, yeah, so that was his only victory. Uh, 2016, 17, 18, 19 all resulted in losses. Yep. All right, so, all right, man. You, uh, so I'm going to be honest with you before we get into this next uh, segment of the podcast is I, uh, I don't know shit about recruiting when it comes to the Big Ten other than Nebraska. I'm going to be honest with you. I know how State has a big recruiting class. I know Michigan's up there. I know Penn you didn't State's look up, up anything? Eh, not really, dude. I don't really care. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, <laughs> when it comes to recruiting, man, that that stuff, it's interesting, but yeah, I've been so focused on Nebraska. I'm not saying like you need to know recruits or anything. I'm just saying you need to like the, the power rankings. Oh, I know the power rankings. I just said them. It's Ohio State. It's Michigan. It's Penn State. It's Nebraska. Well, I guess I'm going to sound like I'm actually uh, prepared for this show, unlike someone else. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go into the uh, Pac-12 news. And then uh, with this, I guess you can kind of pull up the 24-7 uh, recruiting rankings for the Big Ten and then uh, have an idea what you're talking about. So it sounds like a complete asshole. Yeah. Uh, I, I I didn't. I told you, you were like, know the power rankings. I was like, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska. <laughs> Well, Wisconsin, Maryland, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, Illinois, respectively. So there you go. Just let me, so just let me know when I can go into my Nebraska recruits, all right? <laughs> I'm not going into recruits at all. Oh, I am. Oh, I 100% am. Because uh, no one gives a shit about recruits. Uh, there's, there's two of them I want to get into, but go ahead. So the biggest news out of the Pac-12 um, is Mike Leach uh, becomes the Mississippi State head coach. Uh, pretty much out of nowhere, cause he just got a contract renewal on I think December fifth or sixth. Uh, our last podcast that we talked about the Big Ten Impact Twelve, I actually talked about that. Um, so he becomes Mississippi State head coach, uh, and then Lake Kevin is the Ole Miss head coach. So Mississippi has an awesome um coaching staff within the state. That one took me by surprise. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that took me by surprise too. I did not think he would leave for Mississippi State. Uh, I thought he would leave for Florida State. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to say about that other than the holy crap. Uh, and now we'll go into the Pac-12 uh, recruiting rankings. After well, on that, day. B- before oh, you go, go in, a um, little Big Ten news uh, kind of came out. It's not new. Um, we just haven't covered it. Is that Jeff Halfley, Ohio State's co-defensive coordinator, uh Went over to Boston College, so there's yeah, that. Penn State's uh, offensive coordinator went somewhere too. I can't remember where he went, um, but he left for somewhere too. That's there was a lot of moves uh, within the Big Ten. Uh, I'm pretty sure we didn't cover because it's been over a month. Um, mm-hmm. It's but, been a while. Yeah, so we're sorry in advance. Uh, but on the Pac-12 side, I try to cover as much as I can. Uh, but Mark is an asshole and doesn't do anything. <laughs> Uh, so here's the Pac-12 <laughs> recruiting rankings after early signing day. Uh, no, Oregon care. takes number one, 13th nationally. Uh, Washington, number two, 15th nationally. Stanford, number three, 22nd nationally. And then a big surprise for these next two, ASU, number four, 24th nationally. UCLA, number five, 29th nationally. And then the Buffaloes coming at number six, 33rd nationally. Utah, 7th, 34th nationally. Then Cal, 36th nationally. Oregon State, build that damn, coming in 47th nationally. And then, wait for it, wait for it, USC, coming at number 10, so pretty much second place uh, in the Pac-12, if you go backwards. Um, Coming in 56th nationally, Washington State, number 11, 61st nationally. And then... Your favorite team, the Arizona Wildcats, coming in dead last and 72nd nationally. That makes me really happy. Yeah, they were actually beating USC um, until the All-American Bowl when uh, Gary Bryant Jr. announced his commitment to USC, which jumped them to 10th place. Uh, Without that, they would have been 12th and I think 76th or 79th uh, nationally. So uh, Clay Hill doing awesome things yet again at USC by... Out recruiting Washington State and Arizona. Um, <laughs> something to be proud of there. There you go. Uh, when Oregon State, Colorado, your in-state rival UCLA, and ASU all beat you. Um, pretty pathetic. But, hey. That is what it is. You know. Sorry. Can't really beat that. Yeah. So, in the so, Big Ten, 
kind of that. Okay, go ahead and do yours. Yeah, yeah. so in the Big Ten, uh, I was kind of an asshole, but I'll just repeat it. So Ohio State, number one team, Michigan, number two, Penn State, number three, Nebraska, number four, uh, and Wisconsin round out your top five. Uh, Maryland, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, uh, take you up to number 10. Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, and at dead last is Illinois. Um, that one actually surprised me, Illinois being so low with the success they had and the coach that they have. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think I'd have to look at it. But last year they should have finished somewhere down in the bottom. But what they did is they used the transfer portal to uh, bring in the recruits. Yeah, I, I know uh, transfer portal doesn't really – count towards your recruiting but when you only have 13 people you, you recruited 13 people and you know like them with illinois they're trying to change the culture they're trying to build a winning football team and you're hoping to do that with 13 kids like yeah i think on, i man. think what they're doing is they're saving their scholarships for the transfer portal to be honest with you because they're trying um, to win now or something like that yeah i think the the biggest thing with them is they know they're not going to beat um the big schools, especially in the Big Ten, for a lot of the recruits. So if they can get the uh, the four star guys, uh, five star guys, also coming out of big schools that aren't getting playing time to come to them, uh, kind of what they did this last year with USC players, mm -hmm. um, they're gonna they're gonna be pretty successful. I'm uh, not pretty. They're gonna be successful in what they do in a sense. Um, but I think I think uh, Levy Smith's game plan is just a lot different than a lot of other coaches because he knows that he's not gonna. Uh, out recruit these top schools, so he's not going to waste um, his scholarships on these. Uh, not to put them down, but these lower end guys, when he can go into the transfer portal and get four star, um, high three star guys yeah. coming from other schools. So speaking of the transfer portal, um, the biggest the biggest news that I got uh, in our little month hiatus that we had uh, for Nebraska was getting Omar Manning. Now, I think I talked to you. I think I was driving up to the academy to go pick up my son. And I talked to you about Omar Manning. Did you ever look him up, who Omar Manning was? Uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so Omar Manning is a wide receiver. He's a Juco guy. And Scott Frost went down there, picked him up. And lo and behold, he's the number two uh, recruit in the nation. So nationally, he's the number two national wide receiver. He's number one in his position. He's obviously number one in his state. Big get. He's a four-star guy, but everyone that I've heard talk about this kid is he is like he's he's like one catch away from being a five-star recruit. And it's the same thing with uh, Turner Corkin. He's from Lawrence, Kansas. He's a six-six, two-eighty offensive tackle. He's rated number four in his position and number thirty-eight nationally as a recruit. And he's coming to Nebraska. And if you watched Husker football last year, me going into this recruiting, uh, this recruiting year, what I wanted to see for Nebraska was offensive line and defensive backs. And we got high recruits at both positions. So that's what's kind of got me high on Nebraska football is that Scott so Frost saw where we had holes and filled them with high talent. And then you put it with Scott Frost coaching and that strength and conditioning program, it's a wrap. Like I I think that this year is finally going to be the year that we start seeing an uptick in Nebraska football. Uh, it's pretty easy when you're uh, – what, they finished five and seven? Five and seven, four and yeah, eight, four and eight, and we're pulling in the number 20 overall national recruiting class. Like that says something about your recruiting skills. Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying uh, it's not hard to go up from five and seven. You just do six and six, and uh, you've gone up. Uh, question: You know no, what I mean? Eight the, and four. The the O line commits that you guys got are they yeah. early enrollees? Or are they fall enrollees? Uh, so Turner Cochran, I want to say, is an early enrollee, and then Alex Kahn is going to come in in the fall. Um, uh, they're that's, both from that's Kansas. The, that's the um. Only problem is uh, offensive linemen aren't like skill positions. So most of the time your offensive linemen uh, redshirt their first year uh, and then uh, work on their technique and stuff like that. But if you can oh, get yeah. them in in the spring, it, it brings that chance that they can be a, um, an instant starter, if not the uh, sixth man in rotation. Uh, so Scott already said he's redshirting both of them. Yeah, and see, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, with USC, they brought in – uh, a bunch of offensive linemen because the last two years they whiffed on them, uh, and they're all 
three-star guys, and uh, none of them, uh, if I remember correctly, are spring enrollees. Uh, so they're pretty much uh, going to be fall enrollees and be wasted for a whole season because uh, Clay Helton couldn't bring in any linemen last year and the year before. So it's just awesome, you know. Uh, his class is just going to continue to deteriorate uh, over the time that he's coaching. Yep. And by the time he leaves, uh, USC is going to be uh, without a lot of its talent. So, the, the the other reason I'm really excited is because as Omar Manning kid, he's in a, he comes in with one year of eligibility. Um, he's literally coming up here to to play for one year, and then he's probably going to go to the draft. Um, I think he has like one year of eligibility with a possibility of a second one if the NCAA approves it or something like that. Yeah, you can get uh, a sixth year. Um, yeah, that the old boy from Texas Tech just got one. Um, yeah, there was a lineman from USC that got granted his sixth year and then entered the uh, transfer portal. But uh, with Omar, you know, watching, you know, I think you and I had a discussion one time. I think it was in Kuwait. Was that we were going to be very frustrated watching Nebraska football because they were going to be running the same play over and over again. It wasn't going to work. And I said, well, it's a recruiting technique, and it's to show these big recruits, like, hey, if you were in this play, if you were on the field, this is how you can make a difference. And that's what he did with Omar Manning. The reason is, is he's a 6'4", 225 guy. We haven't had a receiver over 6'2 since Kenny Bell. So he's going to give us that big outside presence. He's fast. I watched some tape on him. The kid just literally just outruns everybody. And that goes true for like 20 of our 23 recruits. They just outrun people. He's, he's putting speed on the field. Uh, he's trying to re- – basically what I see is he's trying to build that Oregon offense in Lincoln – and with Omar Manning, he's given us that big vertical threat on the outside to kind of give Adrian a almost a, kind of like a check down, but like 30 yards down the field, kind of like a Randy Moss style. And uh, we got that, and then we get just got Pierce Speed and Marcus Fleming. He's another four-star guy, but he's five nine and a half, 160 pounds. They put 5-9.5. That's his height. So he's pretty proud of that half of an inch. Um and then we went and got a big quarterback in Alabama. He's 6'2", 190, dual threat out of Alabama, Logan Smothers, four-star guy, pretty good. Uh, so he's, he's building his offense, but he's also building his defense. So I'm excited. Uh, a lot of recruits out of Florida, which you kind of expect of you know where his pipeline is. Uh, with Scott specifically, that Florida's his big state that he's going to uh, recruit out of. Did uh, you see the uh – Oh man, uh, I I don't remember the dude's name. Uh, but there was like a is uh, his announcement pretty much uh, for one of the dudes. He was a Miami commit, and then like he uh, was getting ready like to like make his announcement, and then he got like a phone call and like left for a while, like all angrily. Came back, was mad, and then like wasn't talking, and then he ended up turning and flipping to uh, Nebraska. So so be that, a drama queen on the team there. No, that that whole story. Uh, I'm escaping the name, but I remember reading about it. And what happened was was that he was going to commit to Nebraska. And the Miami coaches called him and basically got word that Nebraska was getting rid of the head coach, the defensive coach, um, his position coach. And... Yeah, he was a DB. Yeah, that, that we were getting rid of the defensive backs coach, which actually, no, it was our linebackers coach. Um, and right before he signed, he got really mad because, you know, you're recruited by this coach and that you build a relationship with them and that's who you want to go play for. And then you find out he's not going there. You don't want to go to the school anymore because you don't want to play for some dude that they're just going to hire off the street. And so he walked away from the podium called scott frost personally and scott said no he's still gonna be here they're messing with your head i promise you i give you my word he came back he was upset he didn't know who to believe and he ended up putting his trust in nebraska and he he landed it and he signed his letter of intent and it actually sparked a bunch of articles from like miami reporters and miami fans saying that we're paying players out there at nebraska it's like dude if we're paying players i really hope we're not paying players to go four and eight i really hope so man Uh, i mean there's 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 always going to be those those certain players that are always going to be uh, rumored to be paid. Yeah. Um. So now we'll go into. I do have quite a bit of uh, Pac-12 news. Um. Oregon signs yet again the top California prospect in Justin Flo at linebacker, uh, and they also sign um 
Panay Suo's uh, brother. Uh, he's an offensive lineman on the Oregon team. They, and his brother's a linebacker, uh, five-star recruit. Uh, signed him. And last year they signed um, KT, who was, a, who was the top California recruit on defense. Uh, and this year, this year they do it yet again. Uh, they're continuing to dominate uh, the California region, especially the southern region, in recruiting. And Mario Cristobal is just having a field day with it. Um, some big news, though, with them is they still don't have an offensive coordinator uh, coming in. So it'll be interesting to see who they bring in for that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they have for QB next year, to be honest with you. Um, then we'll go on to ASU. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, uh, wants to pretty much develop this offense to be around Jaden Daniels, which is understandable. Uh, they also signed the most top 30 California uh, recruits than any other California school. I think they signed the most than any other California schools combined. Uh, got some awesome receivers coming in for them. Uh, and then another thing, they brought in uh, a GA out of uh, USC, Chris Hawkins, to be their DB coach full-time. Uh, so that's pretty big. Uh, and then also uh, the way that Herm and Marvin Lewis are kind of constructing this coaching staff is actually pretty uh, awesome. I don't know if you've been following it, but um, they're pretty much having these these former NFL guys, these older guys, be coaches along with um, some of these young some younger guys who have ties to uh, California and Southern California and are actually pretty good recruiters uh, to kind of work hand-in-hand hand together. So it's going to be interesting to see how ASU turns out in the next couple of years. Well, uh, the reason that I see ASU being such like having such good recruits is a lot of people want to go play for Herm Edwards. Uh, I mean, I think that's yes and no. Um, I I don't think Herm Edwards is really the selling point. I think the selling point for them is the coaching staff that they have. Um, is they have a lot of NFL experience on that coaching staff, and I think that's what's drawing more guys. Um. I think Herm Edwards is a good coach, don't get me wrong, but I think the major selling point for them is seeing, one, Jaden Daniels and how he's playing, and then, two, getting actual NFL um, advice and having guys that are actually going to be ready. It's all about that Marvin Lewis, to... baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that Marvin Lewis, man. Nah. I, I think he. I think him and, him and her together are, are a pretty good duo. But someone posted in the USC message boards, like, because we, we still need to get a defensive coordinator for our Hire team. Hire Marvin Lewis. And they were like, why can't we bring in Marvin Lewis for D coordinator? And I just shut that down right away. I was like, they were like, he was a great coach. I was like, he was an all right coach at best. Uh, his record in the NFL is almost 500. Uh, no playoff wins. Uh, do I think he'd be a good D coordinator? Uh, maybe. But he's not going to leave uh, Herm Edwards to come coach underneath Clay Helton. Like, that's asinine. So I don't know why people would think that. But. Uh, ASU is definitely trending up. Um, we'll definitely be excited to see how that offense looks next year. And we'll see how that goes. Um, next, we'll move on to Cal. Uh, Angus McClure is the next O-line coach for them. Uh, he's, a, he's coming from uh, University of Nevada. A uh, pretty active recruiter. Uh, and then the other hire they brought in was Bill Musgrave. As their OC, um, I don't know if you followed any of this, Mark, but uh, a little bit should be definitely it should definitely the hires you want at Cal because you're not going to get the top tier guys by by most means because there's a lot, a lot more other prestigious uh, California schools to coach at. Um, but I think billing bringing in Bill Musgrave is a good hire for them. Uh, he would be an all right hire at other places, but for uh, what Cal can bring in is is actually a pretty good hire. Um, uh, it's it's actually an amazing hire. So so I, it it should be a next season should be pretty exciting on all um, all teams for the most part. Uh, now we'll move on to Stanford. Uh, they have fourteen transfers right now in the transfer portal, and then they also have Kobe Parsons. Or I, I'm probably just murdered his name. I don't remember. I know it's Colby something, but the uh, tight end they have uh, is entering the NFL after his junior season. So, um, and then KJ Costello, their uh, starting QB, 
the last couple of years is in the transfer portal along with the, the 13 others. So don't know really what's going on with Stanford. Um, a lot of people are kind of saying it's the grad program, but if you ever, if you never had a problem before this, why is there a problem now? Um, a lot of people thought that a lot of people are thinking that it's David Shaw is leaving for the NFL. Um, so uh, interesting, but even though they have all this, this stuff going on, they still bring in a, uh, top 25 class and third in the pack 12 in recruiting so well i stanford hasn't been the same since they got since christian mccaffrey left so i don't think they'll ever get back to that i mean i mean the the uh man it's gonna it's gonna irritate me uh the qb they had playing this year uh under costello uh that played for a few games he, he looked pretty promising i think the biggest thing is they just need to get a uh, running back um, but Adebo, the um, amazing DB they have for that school, is coming. Said he's going to return next year. So they're trending up in some ways, but they're also trending down in a lot of ways um, with the transfers that are leaving. So it'd be interesting to kind of see what they have to say for that. Um, but if you got nothing else for Stanford, I'll move on to Arizona and then USC. Go ahead. All right. So Arizona just finished up their last of their hires by bringing in Andy Buh. Buh, Boo, something like that for the uh, outside linebacker coach. Um, Stan Egan for the D-line coach. And then, of course, Paul Rhodes as the D.C. Uh, pretty much just changing up the whole defensive staff. So it should be interesting for them uh, in the upcoming year. Um, I, I don't think Arizona will be relevant, but, you know, they might not be god-awful. They might just be awful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, USC. Um, it's looking like Joe Barry is I probably I'm hoping that's his name. Uh, is going to be the DC for them next year. Um, definitely going to be an upgrade from Clancy Pendergrass. Uh, but it's going to be a safe hire because, yet again, he was on staff with uh, Clay Helton uh, under the Kiffin years. And also, I owe you an apology, Mark, because Kiffin was under uh, Pete Carroll back in the day and was kind of his prodigy. Yep. I uh, had to look that up, and so I'm sorry. Yeah, I knew that was – yeah, that was Pete Carroll's – like, that was his big selling point to go to FAU was he wanted a coach, and he wanted to – No, he actually got – he got he got poached by the uh, Raiders during that time. So, that, so he was successful um, and then his, like I guess the key games would be the 06 uh, – Rose Bowl with uh, Texas, and then um, they lost the next year to UCLA. So he kind of got the blame for that as the OC, but um, after that, uh, next season he got pushed by the Raiders and then uh, came back to US or went to Tennessee and then came back to uh, USC for uh, a couple years and went to FAU or went to Alabama and then FAU. Uh, and then. Uh, Last but not least, USC finished, like I said before, last in the Pac-12 early signing day until Gary Bryant Jr. Um, announced his commitment. Uh, he's actually the only four-star guy that they have, too. So that's actually quite crazy and asinine. Um, and then with Mike Le- Leach leaving Washington State, uh, there's a couple of rumors going around that the offensive coordinator for USC, Graham Harrell, uh might be the uh, big target for Washington State. So, damn, you came prepared. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Because <laughs> I yeah. doubt you have anything for the Big Ten. Nebraska is the best team in the Big Ten. I uh, definitely not. Hundred percent. Go Big Red. Uh, to go back to the Big Ten, though, I believe I did say that Clemson's defense was really good, and you said no, they're going to get steamrolled. Um. So okay. So we I, didn't cover this game, and there's a reason. Uh, we saved it for last. That Ohio State Clemson game. If you're gonna sit there and tell me that the turning point wasn't the targeting call on Trevor Lawrence, I didn't watch it. Okay. Ohio State was winning that game sixteen to nothing. Trevor Lawrence gets sacked. They call targeting. From that point on, Clemson dominated the football game. It was a turning point. Clemson could not move the football. Ohio State was marching up and down the field on them. 
They got that targeting call. It was like a third down. They got sacked. And Ohio State's defense came up big. They gave a targeting, gave them automatic first down. Clemson goes down, scores a touchdown. Clemson gets a little juice in them. Ohio State kind of gets down. And what I will say, Ohio State is a more talented football team. Clemson had the better coach. Ryan Day proved to me and showed, kind of affirmed my beliefs that he's not going to be Urban Meyer. He crumbled in that football game, and he is distraught about it. He he won't stop talking about it. As a head coach of a, of a Power 5 team, number one team in the nation at one point, you cannot let a loss like that affect you for that long. I don't care if it's the last game of your season. I don't care if it's the first week. You have to move on. You know, because you're going into signing day, you're going into recruiting, you're going into the off season, spring ball, and then the next yeah, they season. Just, they just brought in a new QB coach, too. I can't remember his name. Uh, but they just hired him either today or yesterday. Yeah, so Ryan Day, hmm, I don't know. I don't believe any Mr. Day. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't see I mean, see he's it. just, you just got to realize he's a, he's a, uh, a young coach. Uh, he's still bringing in top classes, so that's the biggest thing that matters. How much of that uh, is Ryan Day and how much of that is kids just want to put on the Ohio State Buckeye uniform? You know uh, what I mean? Well, in the, like, in you the, know what in I'm the, saying? Yeah, well, in the case of uh, USC, you see very uh, clearly that it, uh, it'll it go away if uh, Ryan Day can't win. So Yeah. It, I mean, it, it happened with USC. People, you know, they were still getting high recruits because people just still wanted to play for the Trojans. And then they started to fall off because they're starting to see that, you know, they don't have the coaches there. And I think that's what's going to happen with Ohio State. They're going to start falling off until they get like a Jim Trestle that's going to revive the the team and an Urban Meyer that's going to take them to the next level. So I don't I don't think Ryan Day is is going to last that long at Ohio State. I really don't. I think that he's going to last for a few years because he's going to be playing with that Urban Meyer talent, resting on their laurels of always being a team that can compete and be in the college football playoff. But I just there. They're going to start losing that top talent to teams like Penn State, you know, maybe Nebraska. If we can start putting some some players together and start putting some quality wins, winning on the big stage, uh, Michigan even if if they keep Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh can get past his I mean, big Michigan, game. So the the thing is with those blue blood blue blood programs is they're they're going to bring in top guys by doing above average in the season yeah usc stopped doing that because they're doing average to below average and they're also not developing players compared to other schools and these kids are the top kids and so they're getting offers from clemson alabama lsu ohio state michigan who who is developing players to a better degree than usc mm-hmm. and they're heading towards there so I, I i it's it goes with uh not only coaching, but the uh, player development and the wins. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's just crappy to be a USC fan at this point. It's very depressing. So, <laughs> trust me, I feel your pain over here. So, all right, man. Well, but um, I I, I got to get rolling, brother. I uh, I gotta go help my wife get my son to bed and all that. But uh, we will uh, now that we know this works very well. Uh, must be a little bit more, uh, be a little bit more punctual while recording there, huh, Norwood? What do you mean? I freaking <laughs> did all my research here, and you did absolutely nothing. You're terrible. Nah, I, I freaking hold this show together, and you do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I just, I kind of just ride your coattails to success, man. Uh, you know what? One of us got to do it. Um, exactly. So, all right, brother. Well, you have a great week, uh, and uh, we'll set up and get this show rolling. But hey. For all of you out there that listen to us, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we love you guys. Like I said at the very beginning, follow us on social media. Send us an email of content that you want us to talk about, especially with it being the off season. And yeah, uh, we're gonna need a lot of uh, a lot of time killers because I I still want to record once a week. So yeah, I th- I think what I kind of want to start doing, man, is uh, maybe once recruiting kind of winds down and we start getting into the really dead part, is we could like do an Every week, uh, just do like a, a separate team, one team from the Pac-12, one team from the Big Ten, and just really kind of dive into their upcoming schedule and 
Come up with predictions. So another, yeah, another fun thing here. Uh, Larry Scott and the Pac-12 haven't released the conference schedule for next year. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're the last conference to do so. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> when we do that, they have the conference schedule released because it's fucking terrible. Oh yeah, dude. We've already we released a conference schedule. Teams are locked in. The only thing that hasn't been locked in is times. Start times. Yeah, those won't get locked in until next year. So and until the season starts. Some teams are even starting to announce homecoming. Northwestern just announced that they're going to host Nebraska on October 3rd for their homecoming. So. Well, hopefully, hopefully Northwestern's uh, a little bit better than this last year. So. Or Nebraska. <laughs> that could just be a dumpster fire of a game, or it could be two Big Ten West teams going at it. So, All right, brother. Well, you have a great week. Have fun in class. and uh, I, I don't got class. We'll, we'll record one more before I start class. So. Ah, dude, you're such a bum. All right, man. Well, hey, you guys have a great week, and uh, we love you guys, and go Big Red. Hey, fight on.